Hey, it's future Nora. We spent the last, like, ten minutes of the episode just talking about COVID stuff, so if you don't want to think about COVID stuff, you can just skip it once that stuff comes up. Y'all know where to find us. ExportOdd.io. Autumnal underscore coffee, you know, neither Nora. Enjoy the episode, though. We had a good time. Bakora, I know how we're going to defeat the Pharaoh once and for all. Let me guess, we're going to challenge him to a children's card game. No, we are going to steal from him the source of his power, and then we will use it against him. His Millennium Puzzle? Foolish fool! The puzzle is not the source of his power. His power comes from... His leather pants. Seriously? Yes. Come, Bakora. Let us attain his leather pants. I guess I had nothing better to do today. Ho, 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 Let's take his leather Want his leather pants? Da da ra ra ra. Na na fla fla fla. La la cha cha cha. Take off his leather pants. I'm getting ready. My legs have been waxed. Cause when we get them, I am wearing your slacks right on my tush. Tush 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 right on my tush. Oh, wow, 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 wow,
Je voudrais son pantalon courir, son pantalon. Why am I speaking French? Why am I speaking French? I don't wanna be French. We want your leather pants. Take off your friggin' pants. Me and Bakora, we will have our revenge. Him and me will take your leather We will have our revenge Him and me will take your leather pants We want the freaking pants Let's get his leather pants Let's take his leather pants Take off those freaking pants Remove his effing pants Let's take his leather pants Ha 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 we got the leather pants. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Export Audio, episode 134. I'm Nora. I'm joined by Autumn. I just had two shots of rum. Woo! Let's uh, go. We drove uh, 10, 11 hours? 11 hours. You did most of it. I did most of it because I'm really cool and brave. On the way out, we split it halfsies. Coming back, I just was not feeling my best, but you you did most of it, and we got Waffle House at the end of it, and I feel pretty good now. Yeah, so now we're podcasting. You wanted to complain about Daniel Green again. I always do. We uh, should talk about Patrick Rothfuss and Daniel Green, and then we can do our, like, meal review of all the meals we ate in Texas. Yeah, yeah. well, okay, so so for people who maybe are, uh, are not following on Twitter, especially people who only follow us on Main might not be, like, up on things, because I don't tweet on Main very much. Um, we just, um, I just was in Chicago for four days, and then I came back, and then we were in Dallas for, uh, two days, plus travel days. Happy one-month anniversary, by the way. All of us getting married? Yeah. Happy birthday. That to you. Two days two ago. Two days ago. But, you know. Happy birthday effort. plus two days. Good effort. I was just saying. The first the person to wish me happy birthday for my next one. <laughs> anyway... Um, so, so, yeah, so, uh, oh. Patrick Rothfuss. Patrick Rothfuss. He wrote a book. We've been listening to the audiobook on our driving. Yes. Um, <clears throat> You'll hear some of it on an episode of our Arcanum that we have recorded, but will not be up by the time that this podcast is up, in all likelihood. This podcast is going up tonight. I don't it's, care. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready to die. Um... It's a bad book, Name of the Wind. Good lord, is it a bad book. What percentage would you say we are at? Well, I think I can give you an objective answer to this. I'm pretty sure I can just give you the... the... So, we have 21 hours left. And it's... Oh, Audible isn't going to give me a, an exact number, I don't but think I think it's it 27. So we we have 
We're in um, chapter 23 of 92. 92? 92? Uh huh. Anyway. I was trying to find, like, some kind of, like. I'm on the wiki for the King Killer, and, like, here's some chapter summaries, but this is really just not. This um, is. As organized as something like, you know, the, the Coppermind. We've really been spoiled by the Coppermind. It's a really remarkable fan wiki. One of, really one of the best, I think. Um, Why does the summary insist on calling him Coat in the flashback? That's hilarious. Anyway. Don't dead name Coat. Unless it, like, wraps around later on. It's like, actually, Coat is my real name. No, it's not. It's pretty objectively stated that Kavoth is his... There's so much room for twists and turns. You don't know what this his guy could write. His fake name is that he took two letters out of his actual name. Yes, Ben Kenobi. And he he's <laughs> friends with a wizard named Ben. He was friends with a wizard named Ben as a child, so... Anyway. That's fucked up. You can't do that. Anyway. So, where do we start with this shit? It's hard to know because um, we talked about uh, it on uh, Arcadium yesterday, um, and I'm more or less, everything that I said on Arcadium yesterday stands true 20 chapters later, we, uh, we, 15 chapters later. I think we read 15 chapters today in the car, God. And, and everything that I said about the first six or seven chapters is still true later. Like, I don't have anything to add to what I said to Arcanum, I guess. Nothing much. And what I do have to add, we tweeted about. Um, yeah, we had a tweet thread going uh, on uh, on Twitter. We switched places a couple times, so... Yeah. Um, the, the reason I wanted to hit record is that you, just to, like... Get the, get the podcast engines revving. Pulled up the Daniel Green review of why you should read, um, why you should read these books. If you, if folks are new here, um, and I don't remember what podcasts we've talked about things and what podcasts we haven't. So Daniel Green is a, uh, reasonably popular fantasy book YouTuber. He reviews stuff. He, you know, has a little weekly news show where he talks about, like, oh, this this book is getting adapted, and this got a trailer. And, and you know, three over 300,000 subscribers. So he's not, like... His, like, weekly... Uh, his, like, weekly news videos get, like, tens of thousands of views. So. Yeah, he's not, like, the biggest YouTuber in the world, but he's reasonably popular. Yeah. And I feel like he is... Pretty representative of, like, if you plucked any given fantasy fan off of, say, like, r slash fantasy, um, he's probably fairly representative. 1,049 patrons does not show us how much money he makes. Does not show how much money he makes. Let's say he averages three bucks a patron. He's getting 3,000 bucks a month. That... It's, it's, let's just say minimum 1049 before tax. Yeah. So he's like, you know, he's established. 
He's, he's also he's got a he's got a fan base. He has published books. He has self published books. He has self published a book. Yes, yes. Anyway, and that's a that's a recent development. I I feel that he is an interesting YouTuber to watch because I think he's pretty representative of like middle of the road fantasy fans. Um, I think he is. Like, he's, I, he's sort of an everyman. You could you could interchange him with anyone else, and you get pretty similar videos and reviews Probably. and opinions. I feel like maybe yeah, whatever. Um, and he was doing this video about why you should read the King Killer Chronicles, and he was saying like I've been very critical of them, <clears throat> especially the second book. But blah blah blah. One of the things he said that got me really heated just now. If you are not familiar with the King Killer Chronicles, they're a fantasy series that involves a lot of talk about sex. And later on, sex. And, you know, talk about sex. <laughs> or, or, like, actual, like, sex happening on screen. It is a very focal thing in the minds of many characters, which does not really vibe with the world that they say they live in, to me. Yeah. Because everyone acts like they... They, everyone says that they live in a very, like, Protestant, puritanical sort yes. of moral framework. There is... But nobody really acts that way. It almost feels like placing medieval European, medieval fantasy genre onto the framework of American history. And, like, mm-hmm. specifically, like, trying to shoehorn a European-style fantasy world onto, like, 1700s American... Like, Protestantism. Yeah, yeah. Protestantism huge in this. Yes. Um, the, 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 the two sort of main themes of the book, is, as, as far as where we're at, and I'm going to circle back to Daniel Green, I just want to address this. The two main themes are, one, like, sex... Just, like, as a concept. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, like, saying anything about sex so far. There just is a lot of sex, and that is a theme. They, they have said things about sex. They have. They have. It is a we'll, hunt. We'll circle back to it. We'll circle back. I just... Because I want to talk about Daniel Green for just two seconds. Um, and we just need to provide the context. The, the, the other theme is, like, Patrick Rothfuss's acts, acts to crime with Protestantism. And yes. specifically... How, like, sex and Protestantism, like, conflict with each other. Uh, not axe to grind with Protestantism like he's a Catholic. No. He's axe to grind with Christianity because he's an atheist. Yes. And I, he, you know. I don't, I don't want to assume things, but he definitely gives me the sort of Richard Dawkins, <clears throat> R- Ricky Gervais, like, new atheist vibes. That is the impression I get from reading this book. Um, it, it comes through pretty clear to me, but, you know, anyway. It seems, it seems almost inconceivable that, uh, He's definitely an atheist. I, I would be, like, shocked if he was not an atheist. I just, the specific thing I'm talking about is the, like, you know, Richard Dawkins type of atheism. Yeah. Anyway, the, the reason we're talking about Daniel Greed is we're watching this video, and he's like, well... When you think about it, all the sex stuff and how, um, the ways that he, um, 
in Daniel Green's words, objectifies women is totally fine and makes sense it's, when you... He didn't say totally fine. He said it's understandable. Understandable when you think about that it's told from a, like, young teenage man's perspective. And then Daniel Green goes on to be like, teenage boys be do be looking at boobies. Which one, it's not told from the perspective of a teenager. It's told from the perspective of a grown-ass man reminiscing about being a 12-year-old. Yes. I assume he becomes he, a teenager. And he'll become a teenager. But, I mean, he he's basically like 28, but he's 12. Yes. But, like, that doesn't... First of all, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. Second of all, you, it's not even true. It, there, you do not have to objectify women. You do um, not gotta hand it to them. <laughs> you do not gotta hand it to him. <laughs> you, know? it, you don't have to say, it's totally fine the way that he treats women because of the perspective of the story. He wrote the story, you know? Yeah. He chose the perspective that was objectifying the women, and so he chose to objectify women. Like, I don't know. I've read many books about and from the POV of teenage boys that didn't yeah. do that. Or that, like, you could do that. You could talk about the ways that teenage boys look at women and, like, not think it's, like, totally sick, dude. <laughs> he can come to some kind of conclusion, but based on how he acts in the future time yes. sections, yes. it doesn't really seem like he's changed. Yes, he is very uncritical of his attitudes toward women in the early parts of the book. Uh, to be fair, part of that is just very edible also. Yeah, There's okay. like a very strong edible current the, throughout his childhood. So, one of the things that we haven't tweeted about, we did, we touched on it. We touched on it, but it got a lot worse when we weren't tweeting. So, there's a scene that we tweeted about where, um... His so, parents and the wizard are talking. He's eavesdropping on them. Yes. His, he lives... He lives in this sort of, like, caravan of, like, traveling actors. His parents are two of the actors in the play. And, like, he has this friend, this old guy friend, this cool uncle that he picked up somewhere. They just saw this guy somewhere and he started hanging out with them. Um, named Ben. Um... And Ben and the parents are sitting around the campfire, and he's, and Kavoth, the main character, is eavesdropping on them. And um, Ben and the parents are like, you know, he's got really good hands. He's going to be really good with the ladies, if you know what I mean. He's going to be, you know, and like, he'll hunt them, and I, and I, 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 what is it? I feel sorry for those who run yeah. from him. Because he'll be, like, chasing them. And he'll be, like, a he'll be like a hunter after prey. And Normal things to say about your 12-year-old kid. He's not. He's 10 in he's this 10 scene. He's 10 in that scene. He's 10 in this scene. Normal shit to say. Then, there is, after <laughs> oh, this, because? two or three, I think two scenes, maybe three, of, like... Kavoth is hanging out, doing doing kid shit, doing kid shit, playing whatever it is the kids do. I was with a two year old for a weekend. I don't know what kids do. I don't pay attention. Kavoth was watching Nina Mayanonis. Yeah, Kavoth was watching Nina Mayanonis. <laughs> 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 
two shots of rum, huh? I stumbled over one word. Yeah, okay. Anyway. Um, and his parents, um, like, kiss and, like, or, like, will be dancing with each other or will be flirtatious with each other. And he's always, like... And then I, I was just watching how my parents were so in love with each other. And I watched how they were kissing. And I was like, that's what true love is. And I want someone to love me like that someday. He is always studying his parents' intimacy so that he can recreate it later in life. He's, like, preparing <laughs> uh-huh. by, like, really studying up on all the ways his parents make out or what don't. Of, one of the things he says is that... um he says almost exactly what you said. What was it? He he saw them kissing, and he's like, maybe someday soon, I'll want to kiss a girl, and I hope it's like that. You know? I I should watch so that I know how or to like, do it. Because, you know, it's, he's... It's very weird. He also describes his mother very weirdly. Yeah, he there's, describes there's, his mother very weirdly. Yeah, there's it's, there's a lot happening and nothing happening. It, it, it's not like a thing. No, it's just an aspect of the book. Like the it, so when because the, the is so owned if we fit, keep reading and he just is like this about every woman he meets for more than a week. <laughs> and it's like oh, it's not Oedipal, it is, but it's like oh, this is just how Rothfuss, Rothfuss writes. writes this guy talking about women. Yeah, Rothfuss he, is incapable of conceiving of women anything other than sexually. Huh. Anyway, um, I'll, the last note on this is just that, like, so Kavoth, the, the frame story, if you're not clear from what we've been saying, is that Kavoth is, like, relaying the story of his life to someone else. And he, as he's relaying his story of his life, he gets to the scene where he's 12 years old and his parents are murdered. Uh, his whole family is murdered. Everybody's murdered. Um, Except for Ben, who left the troop yeah, like Ben's three fine. days before. Ben's fine. Ben got out of Dodge somehow. Well, he got, I know. He how. got seduced by some, some, some widow. widow. Yeah. yeah, some widow. He was got like, milfed up. He got milfed up on a Tuesday. Yeah. Um, and so he didn't die. Um, so Kavoth gets to the where he's telling this person about the day that his parents died. And Kavoth, in, you know, the sort of present tense of the book, is like, I hope my parents' last hours were happy. I hope they were having sex and whispering sweet nothings into each other's arms. Uh, or, like, <laughs> whispering sweet nothings as they held each other after after they had sex. And, like, why is that... A thing you put in your in your novel, Rothfuss. No, no. the The greatest form of of happiness that a person can have, of course, is sex. Is coming. Is afterglow. Yes, please. Yes, this is this is made <clears throat> clear multiple times that the happiest a person can possibly be is afterglow. Uh, it's, this whole book is weird. That's not even getting Patrick into Rothfuss had nut one time and has never recovered. <laughs> There's, we're not even getting into all the shit about the, the weird old man who takes care of disabled children who live on the street. We're not through that arc of the book and I, I find it disgusting and inappropriate yeah. and vile. Mm-hmm. 
And people, if they want to know about it, I tweeted about it. Um, you can just search, like, at autumnal underscore coffee ableism, because I put a content warning on it. Yeah. Um, uh, you, if you want to know more about it, like, it's there. I, I maybe want to, like, if we continue to talk about this book, we'll talk about that whole mm-hmm. arc once that character gets shot. And that arc does have both as a 12-year-old getting the shit kicked out of him on Christmas. So that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. You're just like, you. I've spent 20 chapters hating this child, and um, he gets the shit kicked out of him on Christmas Day. It's By pretty great. That, By a cop. That thing that medieval towns always had. Cops. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah just... Awful book. Awful book. So condescending mm-hmm. and smug. It is like the worst parts of Lemony Snicket. Oh, you take that back. The part where good people read book. Okay. Bad people don't read book. That's fair. Being smart means read book means be good. I associate this with so many authors. I associate this with a series of unfortunate events because the Netflix show really like goes deep on that and it's this like, is really abs- really on the screen in everyone's mouth constantly that like goodness is intellectualness yes and this is just that i am defensive because <clears throat> i like that series um me too but you're but you're absolutely right yeah um there's this also has the thing that i associate so powerfully with neil gaiman where um Car- say it. Say the line. It's a story. Isn't it's it? a story, isn't it? <laughs> um, characters because Kvothe is a bard, and because his parents were actors, and he's relaying the story to a biographer, and he has this sort of like bard apprentice that is also hanging out in the present tense scenes. Um, who's also a fae pretty boy? Who's also a fae pretty boy? Um. Who in the is confirmed to be by by uh, that uh, oh joy sex toy comic? I hate that you found a way to bring this into the podcast. I, who do you? I'm a fucking professional. Of course, I was bringing that into the podcast. How do you feel about this shirtless pic of Kavoth on this cover of Name of the Wind? Uh, not good. Not great. Let me see if I can get. It. A size bigger than a postage stamp. What was I thought? I was in the middle of a sentence, and you were just like, you hey, were, shirtless Kavoth. You were what talking you about Bast. I was talking about... Oh, we were talking about Neil Gaiman. See, this is what I don't like when you start looking at stuff while I'm talking, because I don't remember what I'm saying. Well, I wasn't wrong. You were talking about... Yeah. Because he's yeah, talking yeah. to these people. Yeah, because, as, yeah. like, one of the other themes of the book is that, like, um, basically... Aren't guys who tell stories, like, just the coolest people? And, like, stories are really, like, the one thing that, like, separates the humans from the animals. And, like, stories are just really important. And that makes guys who tell stories, like, really important and cool. And they get laid a lot. And I just think that, like, guys who tell stories are so cool. And if I sound like I'm repeating myself a bunch, it's because Patrick Rothfuss repeats himself a great deal on this point. He is not expounded or expanded or or complicated or he just states the fact that guys who tell stories are cool, which, by the way, makes me, Patrick Rothfuss, a really cool guy. He does not go as hard on it as other authors do. For example, Neil Gaiman. For example, Neil Gaiman, uh, the writers of 
Game of Thrones, the TV show. The writers of Game of Thrones, the TV show, are so funny because they swerve so hard into it at the last minute. Yeah, yeah. Um, I they were like, oh, God, it's ending. We have to leave some kind of mark for our ending. Yeah. I don't want to be forgotten. I'm a mortal being. Yeah. And I know death. Yeah, this is, this is the actual thing is that, like... It, they were right, because nobody fucking talks about that show anymore. Yeah. I have a friend at work who's watching through it, and I'm really curious, like... She just, like, came in from her break yesterday, or a couple days ago, whatever I saw her last. She's like, oh, I just watched the end of season two in my car. I really like this show. I'm like, that's great. I that's You're in the good part of it. Yeah. I'm I sure. I think that's Clash of Kings stuff. We so. Yes. We also read, like, a chapter and a half of Game of Thrones. And, like, I read Game of Thrones ten years ago. I'm I'm probably going to end up reading it this year, I feel like. Maybe the whole series. I don't know. Uh, that's it's just, just, like, good. Like, from the first it's, chapter, it's, it's just, it's, like, it's quality a, storytelling. It's a slower start than I'm accustomed to at this point. Yeah. It came out in even, 1996. Even when reading Elantris, I'm, you know. But, um, you know, my favorite stuff in that happens in the second book. I know that Storm of Swords is, like, the really popular one. It's the Red Wedding stuff. That's all that business. But I find Clash of Kings and, like, the Renly stuff to be my favorite. That was the high point for me. Um, I read the first book when the first season was on TV. Mm-hmm. I was like 14 years old and I really liked it. And then I, because I was a different person back then, I was like, there are four more of these books. They're all really long and I don't know when they're going to be finished. I'm going to like, I'm not going to read Clash of Kings because I want the, the books to be finished before I continue onward. That's a normal thing. People do that all the time. That's a normal thing. People do that all the time. It's 10 years later and now I'm like, well... I, at this point, I'm going to assume that these books are never going to be finished, so I might as well read them. Brandon will do it. <laughs> I really like the idea of, of Brandon as a as a Yujimbo-type character who's wandering from town to town, finishing people's well, novels. first he's going to do Berserk, and then he's going to do yeah. Game of Thrones. He's going <laughs> to... This is really fun, just, like, life arc for Brandon. Uh, it, Constantly following around authors who die and finishing their work. And it's fun because then, like, you know, as time goes on, like, maybe someday Brandon won't finish the Cosmere and some new author will have to come finish the Cosmere. It'll be Brent Weeks. Yeah. Brent Weeks. <laughs> or open. Daniel Green. The, the Daniel, Green will, <laughs> Daniel Green is going to finish Mistborn. God. Um. Did we talk about On Ars Arcanum, the video I watched about why he decided to take the Wheel of Time job? I don't I don't know if we've, ta- we've talked about this. We've talked about this before, yeah. Have we? Because he get, they sent the Mistborn instead of Elantris. No, we've talked about that. I, I think his reasoning, because apparently when um, Robert Jordan's wife slash editor offered Brandon the job, He took a couple days to think about it, and what he decided was, well, somebody's going to finish these books. Yeah. I think I'm the best person for it. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, like, the perfect mix of, like, hubris and also, like, like, I I just, it, it was really, like, a... 
I just, I think he's right. I think he's yeah. just right. Yeah. I think like they were gonna have somebody finish it, and like in his logic, he's like, well, I'm a pretty good novelist. That's four books that he wrote. He, he wrote four books. And his his logic is like, I'm a pretty good novelist and also an insufferable wheel of time nerd. So, who better than me? And I he, it seems like people really like how he finished out that series. I haven't read it, but like people really like it. So we will next year. We'll we'll start next year. Yeah, we'll we'll start next year. The wheel yeah. of time keeps on turning. Yeah, as Journey said. As Journey said. Yeah. Anyway, that's a uh, that's our Patrick Rothfuss minute. Or Patrick Rothfuss, 27 minutes. Book seems bad. Guy I know seems bad. Uh, my first introduction to him was Acquisitions Incorporated, the Penny Arcade D&D show, mm-hmm. um, where he did not make a great impression. In fact, uh, just mostly just homophobic jokes, which yeah. is par for the course for Acquisitions Incorporated. It's really funny. To see him do that Oh Joy sex toy comic and sort of play coy about characters being gay or being like, oh, I'm so woke because every character is poly and bi. Um, And it's really funny to see him sort of like try to cover his ass. Mm -hmm. We were talking to your friend uh, uh, Devin about these books on, on Wednesday. Wednesday? Thursday? Wednesday. Anyway, Devin had this theory that the reason he's never finished these books is because he sort of realized that, like, there's no way to, like, finish these books and still, like, keep up your image of as, like, a woke person. There's, like, a trajectory to these books that... Yeah. ...that ends in a not great place, and he would want to... He would rather not finish it than, like, follow through on the things that he wrote when he was... Like ten years ago, yeah, ten years, ten, fifteen years ago, yeah. Um, which is like an interesting perspective, but I, I we haven't read those books, so. we haven't read them far enough. But I, I, I definitely think that there's like an element to um, these books that's like because people still really like these books. People and love I, these. Books. People love these books, and I wonder how much of that is based in. I read these books ten years ago. I will reread them someday when that third book comes out, but I haven't reread them yet. Because, like... but I mean, that's what I would have said about Mass Effect. But people just replay Mass Effect, and they just like it. People just like this book. People just... It, it, yeah, I guess just people enjoy when, like, men treat women like shit... And also there are horrific I mean, caricatures of disabled people. I mean, these things exist in plenty of the things we like. Yeah, but, like, people... I, when I like media that treats women like shit, I'm going to acknowledge it. You know? When I yeah. when I get on my fucking soapbox and talk about how much I love Gundam, I'm going to also acknowledge that, like, the way that Gundam treats women is fucked up. I just... I think Patrick Rothfuss has sort of repositioned himself in the years since as a woke guy. He's showing up in Oh Joy Sex Toy to, like, sort of <coughs> play coy about um, representation. Whether, about representation. Yeah. And, and sort of, like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. 
And um, it sucks. It sucks. Yeah. I just, I don't think you can, I don't think you can try to pretend you are the woke guy and also r- write these books and stand by these books. <laughs> I have not read, you know, we've read maybe a quarter of the first book. By reputation, I don't think that these that the second book is going to be better about any of these things. I, no, I know no. a couple spoilers about the next book. and It's to the point where, like, I had certain plot points mixed up between uh, King Killer Chronicles and Dresden Files. Mm-hmm. But I, I wasn't sure, okay, which one is the one who becomes, like, a sex vampire... And has, like, just vibrant, like, sexual fantasy daydreams. And which one of them is the one that fucked a goddess of sex or something? Mm-hmm. of Or of magic? No, that's Elminster, the old guy from D&D. He fucked the goddess of magic. Yeah. But, regardless. I'm just scrolling through the King Killer, like, oh, Reddit. Oh, can you, can you scroll up on the King Killer Reddit? Can you click on this poll mm. here? Um, what are your feelings toward the author as a result of the major delay of Doors of Stone? Um, you get two options. You get two options. I understand and respect, or I feel upset uh, slash angry about the delays. No way to see it without voting. What do we say? Uh, I understand and respect. Let, let, let's, respect uh, let's respect Patrick Rothfuss for once. Yeah. 2.2,000 say they understand and respect the delays. 1.2 thousand say, I feel upset or angry about the delays. So, like, a, a sizable number, but not the majority, by any means. Um, top, top comment on the on this thread is, comment. option three, I have mixed feelings. Uh, reply to that, that's very popular. Option four, I don't care, I've written off book three as a lost cause. If one day I'm proven wrong... Uh, then it will be a pleasant surprise. <laughs> I like this person who says, uh, if I'm upset with anybody, it's the person who designed the cover of Name of the Wind because it clearly says a novel as opposed to book one of the Kingfire Chronicle. Felt confused and slightly betrayed when I finished it. Then felt relief when I realized book two was already out, then was slightly crushed when I learned about the lack of a book three. It does just say a novel on the cover. It does say that. Um, and so does the book that I bought from Barnes & Noble. Tell me about this book that you just... We were at Barnes Noble yesterday. We... Okay. We were on our trip to Dallas. Um, and... We... Um, went to three bookstores in two days. It was a great time. Gotta say. Yeah. Love to do that. We were at Barnes Noble, and you saw a paperback with kind of a cool cover and a neat description on the back of the book, and so you picked it up. Uh, you want to tell me about it? Uh, well, there's this guy, and a while back when he was a teenager, he went on an epic quest with, like, ten great heroes to kill the Ice Lich. Uh, everyone else died. I think it was nine heroes in him. Everyone else died along the way, but he was the one who returned victorious, having defeated the evil, allegedly. Um, he's a, he's a hero, but now he's like 27 and, uh, he has his own little farm that he works in and, uh, he goes into town sometimes. He has lots of anxiety and PTSD and he just kind of hangs out every now and then. Some people pester him at the bar to tell his story, 
but he doesn't really like crowds or people anymore. And he just has this this kind of like friendship with a barber that he just goes and hangs out with. And How many husks huskies does he own? No huskies. No huskies. He has okay. a donkey. Oh, okay. It's kind of like a husky. And um, so far, he's been called back to the king because uh, something, some evil is stirring within uh, the realm of the Ice Lich that was defeated ten years ago. That sounds like a pretty good premise for a book. Do you have any sort of reservations about this book? Yeah, I checked on Audible and I was like, is it cheaper to get it on Audible? It's not. But Audible and Amazon at Goodreads listed as book one of Quest for Heroes. Mm -hmm. So... I hope it's not secretly, like... A just, big series. Just to act one. Because mm -hmm. it's a new book. Mm -hmm. I just meant, like... This is, like, May of this year new. Have you have you read anything anywhere in the book that maybe makes you think this book might end up oh, sucking? Oh, right. The, the way I got owned. <laughs> yeah. The by, way you got I, fucking destroyed. I, I got owned by opening the first page and it says, Dedicated to... Uh, any all those who have served in the armed forces, past and present, past and present. Uh, so I got owned by that. Yeah, pretty immediately. <laughs> um, like you bought the book, you came home. I was sitting at the kitchen table, like doing my thing, and you just like crack open the book. Very first thing you see, dedicated, yep. dedicated to the armed forces. Which I love, mm. Rambo. He's dead. And it's good that he's dead. <laughs> uh, it seems neat so far. Uh, it needs more commas. I keep seeing sentences that look like they need commas. And I don't think you technically need them, but it's not incorrect to use them, and I wouldn't use them, because mm -hmm. it helps the flow. Yeah. To me. To yeah. me, to me. Uh, it's, called, it's called The Coward by Stephen Aryan. Um... It seems neat so far. It's definitely a modern fantasy book because they say fuck. Yeah. And shit. It, it, the first <laughs> the first line was pretty funny because... Um, the first sentence is, you know, Kel, whatever his name is. He, he, hero, hero of the of the last war. Or whatever the fuck his titles are. Uh, trips on a rake and falls into a pile of shit. Which is funny. It was funny because you read that to me. Earlier in the day, we had been doing Arcanum, and we had specifically, like, quickly talked about the very first line of Way of Kings being Zeth, Sun, Sun, Volano, uh, Truthless of Shinovar, uh, wore white on the day he was to kill a king. And Brandon's always doing lines like that. Like, yeah. Um, fucking, what's the other one? It's not Mistborn. Mistborn doesn't have one, but, like... Prince Raiden awoke one morning unaware that he had been damned for eternity. Yeah. Or something like that. And it, so, like, this, the first line of The Coward felt to me like a very deliberate reference to the first line of Way of Kings. Um, which is very funny to me, just like as a concept. That's all I got for that. Uh, there's also. So this thread you're looking at on 17th Shard, which is like sort of the, sort of a Brandon Sanderson forum. I don't know how popular it still is. Um, oh, here it is. 
Raiden awoke completely unaware that he had been damned for all eternity. Or something like that. Says, oh, okay, so that's not a quote. You could have grabbed your copy of the book, Random Forum Poster from 2013. Um, so this person has the first and last... Yeah, so the, uh, the, the thread is about first and last lines. I don't think of Brandon as a strong last line guy. I, I guess we haven't... I guess it's not something I am keeping my ears out for as I listen to the audiobooks, and I will as we start to, yeah. like, you know, get into endings of books in Arcanum. Not all of these... Like, this wax crept along the ragged fence in a crouch, his boots scraping the dry ground and alloy of law. Not a very memorable first line. Memorable first chapter, not a memorable first line. Yeah. We it can. is memorable. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get we'll there. We'll get there. That's some shit. Uh, oh, somebody, here's somebody is posting the Infinity Blade novel. We can read the first and last, because we're not going to talk about Infinity Blade. Only Craspants cares about that. God's death didn't do much to change the lives of the people of Dren's Maw. In fact, most of them didn't, didn't even know that they, they had been slain. Last line of Infinity Blade Awakening, may I? Yeah. I? The truth was, he'd probably already done everything on the list a hundred times over, even if he didn't remember. Saving the world, though, that was something he was certain he'd never done. Hey, Brandon, I see you. I don't, I don't think Brandon's great at last lines. I think he's good at endings. I don't think he's good at last lines. I can't remember yeah. anymore, and I'm not going to read them because... Um, this is very funny for Warbreaker. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, so Warbreaker has a good ending. That's not a strong last line. Yeah. It's just funny. out of Completely out of context, it just is nothing. Yeah, it just means nothing. The, 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 the last line of Final Empire does not mean anything to me. Yeah. That's... Yeah. yeah. I assume it's like, oh, found family... Did I tell you my funny last line story? When I was a kid, I used to um, read the last page of a book first because I wanted to know what would happen. Um, and I read the last page of The Hunger Games. No, no, not The Hunger Games. Catching Fire, the second of three Hunger Games Mocking books. Bird? No, Mockingjay Mocking is the third Jay's book. the last one. Yes, I read the second... I read the last page of Catching Fire, mm-hmm. the second book. Um... Which is like a big cliffhanger. And I was kind of mad because then I had to read the whole of Catching yeah. Fire knowing that there was a cliffhanger coming and that I was going to have to wait two or three years for the next book. Um, which, when you're like 12 years old, feels like a lifetime. Yeah. It felt insurmountable that I would never be able to read the last uh, Keys to the Kingdom by Garth Nix book. Mm. Anyway. Um, what else we talk? Do you want to talk about the trip? Yeah, let's talk about the trip. Patrick Rothfuss can't keep us from enjoying our trip. No, he can't. So I guess we'll just walk people through it. Um, Meal review. Context for trip. Um, so I was born in Texas. Yes. <laughs> So, um, as listeners of other podcasts know, I went to go visit a friend of the show, Nia, uh, for the weekend in Chicago and, um, like came back, my train gets in just after midnight, we come home, we sleep, we woke up at seven, left for Dallas. Um, trip out there was pretty uneventful, I think, right? Hmm. 
um, got into Dallas, and you took me into this place. You're like, we got to go to Fuel City. They got the best tacos. And I was like, it's a gas station. Why are we going to a gas station to get Because food? secretly, it's not a gas station that does tacos. It's a taco place that owns a gas station. <laughs> <laughs> That's the difference. Um, and we went there. I never got that elote. Oh, yeah. I never... You got to order it at a different window. You got to order it. And I told myself I was going to get it, and I forgot to. I saw them make it a couple times. Yeah. Scoop the corn, squirt something in there. Scoop the corn, squirt something in there. Uh, just, it's just a big styrofoam cup. Yeah, so... I never got the elote, but we got the, um, uh, we got tacos. We got their tacos when we first got there. We got tacos again this morning when we left Dallas. Yeah. Those tacos really fucking knocked my socks off. They were good as shit. That's one of my favorite foods in the whole fucking world. Yeah. It's just like, it's just street tacos. Like, if you, like, I'm sure they're all over in Dallas, and I'm sure they're all over in, like, you know, Mexico and, and all over and like all sorts of like tacos in Mexico, <laughs> southwestern United States. Like, yeah, yeah, it's just street tacos, but they're fucking good as shit. Yeah, there's nothing like special about them necessarily. They're you just get really fu- good. You get your fucking al pastor. It's got like some like onions and cilantro and they give you a little lime wedge on the side, you know, and they give you a little cup of red and green sauce. Yeah, and know? it's. You it's pretty it darn spicy. It. It'll, it's, it'll, it's pretty spicy. It'll it'll clear your sinuses. It ain't nothing. Um, that's not salsa. No, it's not salsa. It's just like a. It's just. Hot it's pretty thin. It's pretty like thin it's in a way that like salsa is like dippable. Uh, I just mean that like you eat salsa all day. Yeah, this is like taco sauce. Um, these are my favorite tacos. Yeah, I just love them. They're they are known. They are like kind of famous. Okay, as like a, a taco place. Uh, and I, w- I wanted to make sure that, that like, you know, this, the cat gets to eat good when we go to Texas. Because, <laughs> uh, the thing that I do in life is just I care about eating food more than anything. Your like, grandma was kind of teasing us for, like, how much our trip was centered around, like, food. But, like... That's just the thing I like. Like, I'm much more likely to celebrate something by getting a nice meal than I am, like, buying a thing. Like, I, I collect certain things. Like, there are a few physical things that I have, like, some attachment to. Like, I have a collection of playing card decks. I have some Ruby merchandise, you know? You have more physical things <clears throat> that you're attached to than I do. But but you but, own more physical things. Do I? You've got a Batman bank. You've got a BMO. I do. I guess I do now for years because, like, I didn't... I think from age, like... Five to twenty-two. I had never lived anywhere for more than six months. Mm-hmm. You know, so I didn't have like a lot of physical possessions for a very long time. I guess I do now. I have books and games and stuff, but like you, you have know, a lot of books. I, this is only a few. I, I had more before I moved. I, mm-hmm. I got rid of. I cut the chaff. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I only have the ones that mean something to me. So I, I have books and I have like Ruby Funkos. Yeah. Is the things that I have. So I'm much more likely to just have a nice meal or a nice experience over like collecting a thing or like buying clothes, I guess. I don't know what people. Though I do, I do want to get you because your birthday was just this week, like we talked about. That was, that was a really sick book. We, so we, jumping ahead a little bit, that Barnes Noble trip where we got the coward, we also, we saw this book that I had heard about, like, maybe a year ago, 
um, called Dungeons and Dragons Art and Arcana that is like a history of D and D, and it's like really comprehensive. Like it's going also, into like sketches that like Gygax had commissioned for like rough like concept art yeah, for like the, what the to book is. Be clear, it's not just a history book. It's not like about the history of D and D. It's like specifically an art book. Yes. Like the history of the yes. art and the evolution of the art. Like they have s- sections where like, here's the purple worm as it appeared in second edition, third edition. Yes. Fourth, like it is about the evolution of the art and like the way that D and D has been visually represented. And this is some real cool guys in there. I, so I, I first heard about this book when it came out because, uh, I heard an interview with one of the like the lead editors on the book and he was like <clears throat> he was talking about he wanted to do a history of D&D book and he wanted it to not just be there are there are a lot of other books that cover that I what, own one what like makes his book different and he got in touch with Wizards of the Coast about like getting it he was originally just going to do it independently and just hmm. got in touch with Wizards about like Hey, can I like look through your like archives of like concept art and all the like maps and all this sort of stuff so that I can do my book? And Wizards of the Coast is like, we love this idea. Like, we'll you know publish it. And that sentence came out very like, oh, Wizards of the Co- Coast, what a cool company that just like <laughs> helped out this independent artist. No, fuck Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, but this book is cool if you are like this a person cool. who has some sort of attachment to D and D, even if you are Which also critical of D and D. Um. I also just really like old fantasy art. But yeah, so we, we saw it at this bookstore and like the cover was chipped. So we didn't get it there, but I'm going to go to the book, the Barnes and Noble near us and order a copy for your birthday yeah. pretty soon. So, so we got the tacos. Got the tacos. We went to bed. Went to bed. Stayed with my grandma. Stayed with grandma. She's lovely. Yeah. She's great. Only um, drinks decaf coffee. Yeah. Which was a problem for, for the cat. Yeah. You like coffee. Yes. She has a very slight German accent, which is even better than, like, if she had a very heavy... But she's lived here for several, several years. Yes. Like, if she had a very thick German accent, Mm -hmm. that would be very cute. But far cuter is when you just hear it, like, one word every Mm -hmm. sentence. She's very sweet. Next morning. Next morning. We go to Hank's. Yeah. Behind, first, we go to the big Barnes & Noble in Dallas, which is great. It's huge. Mm-hmm. It's on Northwest Highway. If you're in Dallas, you should go. It's a cool spot. They've got a cafe. And behind the building... Oh, you, no, no, no. Not the big Barnes & Noble. We did go to a very big Barnes & Noble. Books. We went to the very big half-price books that morning. That's what I you said. You said we went to the big uh, Barnes & Noble. Half-price books. We it's the on very Northwest. Big there is also a Barnes and Noble on Northwest, which is where that other stuff we just talked about happened. But yes, there's a huge half price books. Which, if you go, there was when we were there this week. There were like these a huge number of like collections of like fifties horror comics, and not like the ones that you think of. It wasn't it wasn't any sort of EC stuff that I immediately recognized. It was all like. Weird horror, out of the shadows, um, you know, like, like st- stuff from like standard comics, which is like a publisher I'd never heard of. And like, you got some Alex Toth in there and like, looked really rad. All the I was, branding was like pre-code classics of horror. Yes, yes, like pre-comics code. 
I was going to pick up a couple, except I ended up seeing um, all, all four volumes of Queen and Country uh, for like half off each. And I was like, well, I am leaving oh, half with... half off. <laughs> yeah, half price books. <laughs> so I got all four volumes for 40 bucks, which is just like a hell of a deal that I couldn't pass up. And so I ended up not getting these like, you know, 50s horror comics. But if if you see these like, you know, pre-code classics was like the brand... Um, they're pretty expensive when I looked online, but they were very cheap at half price books for obvious yeah, reasons. Weird. <laughs> um, and they had a lot of them. They had a lot of them. They had more than you'd think. Like it's seemed like they might have ordered them rather than like. It, my my guess is that when I looked at the publisher's website, they were originally listed at forty bucks. The publisher was selling them for twenty five. Half price was selling them for thirteen. Hmm. My guess would be. That the publisher expected a to sell more than they did, and so a lot of like stock that like Barnes and Noble and other that bookstores didn't yeah. get go through ended up at half price. That would be my guess. Um, so we, we went to Hanks. We went to Hanks, which is behind the big half price books on Northwest. Hanks is just this little European. Deli, deli. Bakery. It's also it's a bakery. They sell knickknacks. They sell in like European chocolates and candies and snacks and such. Um, it's a cool little place. There's lots of football memorabilia. Yeah, I got um, like the Dutch breakfast, which is just like toast, ham, fried egg, tomatoes. Yeah. I got the sh- schnitzel breakfast. You got chicken schnitzel. You got your eggs. You got. Some I wish toast. I'd gotten that. I wish it was I'd gotten fucking that. Fucking good. I wish I'd gotten that. That looked very good. I took a bite of your schnitzel. It was very good. Yeah. Wink, wink. What? I took a bite of your schnitzel. Wink, wink. What? I'm making a sexually suggestive joke. Okay, come both. <laughs> uh, and then we went to Half Price Books. We hung out. You got you picked up Persona. Yeah, um, I also got... Uh, <laughs> you're a big Persona fan. Yeah, know. Revelations Persona for the PlayStation 1. Are you going to clarify that you didn't purchase a video game, or I? I yes, I bought the Criterion Collection <clears throat> Persona. Um, I'm not going to watch it. When I watch Persona, I'm probably just going to pull it up on the Criterion channel. But it will be nice to just own. I'll I'll flip through the booklet. I'll flip through the little booklet that comes with Criterion movies, and I'll probably watch some of the special features. But I'll probably watch them all on Criterion channel. I love Persona. Um, Fucking great movie. It's also 83 minutes. Fucking great. Then we came home. What do we have for lunch? Oh, we got Jimmy's. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So Jimmy's. That sandwich is still in your grandma's fridge. <laughs> we went to Jimmy's Food Store in Dallas, uh, which is a very cramped, very crowded, very tiny grocery store. Like Italian grocery store. But also like... 50% of the shelf space is wine. You walk in... And you were smacked in the face with the smell of like tomatoes. Italians. <laughs> you like like just like <clears throat> tomatoes, like canned tomatoes, just like hits you in the face. And oil. And, and then and immediately stuff. after that you start to smell like olive oil, parmesan, and wine. Like yeah. yeah. Like that's all they sell is just like those. And if you navigate past all the shelves to the back, there's like a meat store. What's that called? A a, a butcher. A butcher. Yeah. And they also do sandwiches. They do subs. Yeah. And those are fucking fantastic subs. I got 
the like heaviest Italian beef sandwich of my <laughs> life. Like I felt like I was seven thousand pounds after I ate it, but it was to die for. I got the turkey sub, which comes with you know turkey, whatever cheese, and then just like whatever that like it's like mushed up veggies and oil and vinegar and good stuff in there. Salad. Know. No, uh, like a pesto, maybe? Or like a... It has a fancy word. I don't know. Okay. But it's got stuff in there. Very strong flavors. Very good. Very tasty. Mm-hmm. Um, I just packed it away. <laughs> I was having a great day. I was just eating. We ate these meals maybe two and a half hours apart. Yeah. Uh, we got a late start. And then uh, we hung out with Devin and Becky and yep. Xavier, my friends from Texas. And we went to Chewy's. Which is one of my favorite restaurants. Just standard Tex-Mex stuff, but like yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. I was a little disappointed in that margarita. Yeah. That margarita was not great. Should have gotten the one with an upside down beer in the cup. Like Devin did. Maybe. <laughs> uh, they have the jalapeno ranch um, sauce that you dip your chips and stuff in. That is just incredible. I I, I didn't even need that. I, I liked that. I That's like some of my favorite like... Salsa that you get at the table at a Tex Mex yeah. restaurant I've ever had. Fantastic salsa. Fantastic. I just salsa. love that restaurant. Yeah. Um, then we went to the comic shop slash RPG shop slash mostly board games. Yeah. Now, um, madness. I was kind of I was kind of irritated at myself because I saw a bunch of stuff that caught my eye and I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And then I thought about like the next day I was like maybe I should have got that. You know. Yeah. Madness comics in Plano. Uh, another great place to purchase things and spend money. I did buy um, a little Batman notebook that I think I'm going to start using. Did you? I bought a Who Batman. <laughs> Becky and Devin and Becky bought the fucking notebook. They okay. gave us some money when we walked in the door That's and said, fair. "Here's your birthday wedding present." Okay, meow meow. And make me the asshole. Meow meow meow. Um, I got Burning Wheel. You picked up a copy of Burning Wheel. And the two D&D Essentials books from 4th edition that are, like, there's four classes in each. There's the classic four, fighter, wizard, cleric, and thief in the first book. And then druids, warlocks, paladins, and rangers in the second one. Um, And they are just, like, streamlined character classes like archetypes for those classes from fourth edition or like there's the rogue class then the thief class is like a subtype of the rogue that has different powers or like the rogue you'll pick like here's your powers these are all these different types of attacks you can do and they do different things but with the thief you're always just making a basic attack, which is something you almost never do in 4th edition, unless you have, like, a leader-type character might say, choose an ally and have them make a basic attack as part of your attack. But with the thief, you're doing lots of things like, if you move a certain amount of spaces, or, like, it'll it'll be a power that says shift three, which is safe movement. So you don't provoke attacks of opportunity. You can just move through the spaces. Uh, and then after doing that, when you make a basic attack, this thing happens. So instead of focusing on different 
unique attacks. They're all movement abilities that alter the properties of your basic hmm. attack. So the, the thing you're doing every turn is the same. It's just you have be- bonus effects and stuff based on how you're moving through the space. And it's like a streamlined version of these class. This is the Thief version because that's what I played. I played a Thief class in 4th edition. Uh, and it is just really cool um, crystallizations of that system in a fun way. And I just think it's some really tightly designed stuff for a really tightly designed game. Um, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to play 4th edition again. But I think about it a lot. It's a great game. I, um, Burning Wheel probably will play at some point, someday, but for now it'll just look pretty on the shelf. That's a, the thing about Burning Wheel is that I have had some sort of mixed experiences with playing Burning Wheel, I will say generously. Yeah. Um, some sort of mixed experiences with playing Mouse Guard as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but like... When I read those books, I start to get ideas in a way that, like, I don't play a lot of tabletop RPGs, and I don't have a ton of interest in playing a lot of tabletop RPGs. Like, that's just not who I am. But I, like, read through Burning Wheel, and I, like, start to, like, I start to get it. I start to, like, I start to understand, like, why people, like... For me, the thing that I struggle with when playing tabletop RPGs is just, like, I can't get my imagination to, like, sort of work in that way. Like, I can't sort of, like, imagine characters, like, doing stuff and, like, the ways they might use abilities. Like, in the way that, like, I know I have friends. um, Like, I think Do Not Steal is an incredible podcast about, like, reading the RPG book and doing all that sort of stuff before you play. Mm -hmm. Because, like... You know, there's playing RPGs is, like, a huge aspect of tabletop RPGs. I think an equally huge aspect is reading books and thinking about playing RPGs and not yeah, playing them. Yeah, that's what people do more often, actually. That is what people do <laughs> way more and do not steal is the sort of... is a podcast that I think very smartly acknowledges that, like, thinking about playing RPGs is what we do way more than we play RPGs. I don't often read books and start to have my imagination spin up in that way. Mm. Often in sessions, I don't have my imagination spin up in that way. Reading Burning Wheel as a book is the book that kind of got me to be like, oh, I could be this person, and I could act this way, and I could do all this stuff. So I have this sort of interest in Burning Wheel. And also, when you just put... That book on a shelf, mm. it looks beautiful. And when you open it up, like, it looks beautiful. I think it is just, like, the best printing of an RPG, you know? Yeah. Because it looks like any other fantasy book, and then you open it up, and it's like, how do you make your own fantasy book with your friends? Yeah. <laughs> you know? There's also the game Torchbearer, which is, I, from what I very vaguely remember in terms of complexity, might lie between Mouse Guard and mm-hmm. Burning Wheel. I think it's the same basic system um or a lot of the similar frameworks and i really want to play torchbearer someday because it we, seems to be a more dungeony focused version that might that. be good because part of the part of the like sort of mixed experiences i was having <clears throat> with burning wheel was that, that is a very open-ended game that is a yeah. very yeah. sort of like 
I felt like I needed more RPG experience under my belt to play Burning Wheel. And maybe, yeah, if you're like, you are people in a dungeon, I'm like, okay, so I have this sort of, like, I have the sort of rails on to sort of, like, get me you, moving. You can parse down to, like, these 20 different ideas of things a character can be and do. Yeah. Rather than literally anything. Yeah. Uh, um, as long as they end up with a sword or a magic spell or something. Yeah. Because um, you, you plot out your character's life in those games to, like, yes. build them. Like, you know your backstory, you know your history, which can be both a blessing and a curse depending on how your imagination works. For me, it was <clears> weird because it was like, I made this character with this really complex backstory, and then I got into the session and um, had this GM who just didn't ever ask me about that. Yeah. Didn't ever incorporate that into the story and so i had put all of this into that and then was like playing with a gm who just kind of didn't want to engage with that now if you do that with D &D, Uh and that backstory is completely fabricated like even in fifth edition you pick up background yeah which is a very vague archetype and that implies some things but like coming to a D &D game thinking oh i know all this stuff about this character and then having that not be part of the game does suck, but is expected. Yes. But that's not... Because that's not Burning in Wheel. the game. You, you wouldn't expect, without talking about it, for that to be in, like, the actual game that you're playing. Burning Wheel, Burning like, puts Wheel, a lot yeah. of emphasis on that sort of stuff. And that is part of the game. Part of playing the game is building a character. Like, mm-hmm. that's not divorced from playing, quote-unquote, yeah. the game. Uh, reading the book is play. Yeah. And, like... Creating the character, making those decisions that's very important for the character creation process should be really important for the GM process as well. And the idea that you would just ignore that part of the game... And not ask your players... Not like, at all. It's like... Yeah. Just... I... It baffles me. Like, if you're actually having a group together to play Burning Wheel, you might want to play Burning Wheel. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um... But yeah, I just really, I really like like looking at Burning Wheel on a shelf, and so when we saw it, I was like, yeah, we should get that. And they only had one copy. <laughs> yeah. Um, the thing I almost bought was the reprint of the uh, West End Games Star Wars RPG. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that seems cool. That seems really cool. Oh, you, you... This sounds more accusatory than I mean it. You distracted me. Um, I was going to say... I bought this Batman book and I was looking at it today and I was thinking about not this, not like a Batman comic. I bought like a Batman notebook. You know, you just like it's just like some Batman art and then you open it up and it's just lined this paper. This madness also has like tons of nerd merch. Yeah, I not, was looking not for like mugs that much. I wanted mugs and I couldn't yeah. find any mugs. I saw the problem was that I saw like three mugs and I was like, oh, they sell nerd mugs here. Let me see if I can find like a Batman mug or a <clears throat> Spider Man mug. And I couldn't find anything. Anyway, so about this Batman notebook, and I was looking at it, and I think I want to start using it to do more, like, meal planning and writing grocery lists and, like, sort of, like, have a notebook that is dedicated for, like, food stuff. Mm -hmm. And, like, we've been talking about food a lot on this episode. Not, like, going out to eat, like... Cooking is a very important thing to me, and a thing that has been a real struggle to do as I've moved over to the night shift. Um, like, Mark and Nia know, like, I've been talking to them on and off for, like, months about, like, how do you get better at this? Um, 
if you listeners have like resources for um meal planning stuff please feel free to like in export chat in the abnormal mapping discord like post about it post like what's worked for you and what hasn't i this batman notebook right now does not have any sort of like it's not a meal planning notebook like i know you can go out and buy like notebooks that are like built for that Mm -hmm. this is just lined paper so buy any any kind of shit yeah so if you if you have advice for that like please hit me up um yeah. And <coughs> in between Oh, I wanted to say one last thing about Madness. Sorry. Okay. Add Madness, because this is like the last bookstore talk that we're gonna have. Add Madness, I was walking around and I was looking at stuff and I was thinking about like I uh am back in a comics mood this week. Um I read like five volumes of Chainsaw Man. Don't, by the way, um Talk to me about Chainsaw Man because I'll be annoyed at you, most likely. And especially don't talk to me about Chainsaw Man because there are five, like, volumes that have been published in English. And I know that, like, it has all been officially translated and you can read all of that. But I like reading it in volumes. So I'm going to be waiting to finish Chainsaw Man until, like, all 11 volumes have been published in English. And that won't be until, like, next year. So, like, fucking don't talk to me about it, because everybody online has decided it's fine to spoil Chainsaw Man. Bit. Anyway. I was thinking at Madness about how, um, I read all this stuff digitally, but it would be nice to start buying, like, nice hardcovers, or, like, stuff that looks nice of, like, books that I care about just for having on the shelf. Like, Mm -hmm. I might buy, like, those hardcovers of Full Metal Alchemist. Not because I want to read those hardcovers of Full Metal Alchemist, but because I love Full Metal Alchemist, and I would be nice to have hardcovers of it on the shelf. You know? That's all. That's all I have. Yeah. Um, puts us in a weird position with Monstrous, because there's no guarantee that they will do another hardcover yeah, we have a volume. We have a really nice big the hardcover of Monstrous. Is that like four volumes? It collects the first three volumes. Three volumes. And it's, Monst- a, it's a Barnes and Noble exclusive product, just like the Art and Arcana yeah. book. Monstrous sort of comes out on the same schedule that, say, like Hunter Hunter does or Berserk did, where like uh, the artist, I believe, Sana Takeda. Yes. Yes. I couldn't remember who wrote and who drew that. Son of Takeda, like, does just some of the most breathtaking work in Western comics. Um, like, just does incredible work, like, incredibly detailed work. I, if I'm not mistaken, and I very well could be, I believe she also does her own coloring. Um, like, really puts her heart and soul into Monstrous, which means that that book comes out when it wants to. You're not yeah. gonna... You don't want Monstrous to come out every month. Because, like, you want it to it's, take yeah, its time. It, it's a fucking fantastic comic. Which means also that we bought this hardcover of the first three volumes of Monstrous, and there have not been three volumes of Monstrous since then to yeah. collect to a second hardcover. There's no guarantee that they will do that again. Yeah. They might. I, I no, really no hope they do. Would. Image is pretty good. 
I think because of Walking Dead. Because Walking Dead sells lots of copies of, like, the small volumes. Walking Dead sells lots of copies of the hardcovers. Walking Dead sells lots of covers of the huge, kind of cheap omnibuses. Um, I think Image, as a publisher, knows that people like to buy books in different formats. And so Image will probably, I think... I think once there is material enough for it, we'll spin up the machine to put out a second hardcover of Monstrous. Fingers crossed. We could check. We could just go to the image websites right now and look. Uh, I don't know. I'm just on the Wikipedia page. This Wikipedia page would also have some stuff about collections, I'm pretty sure. Scroll down. Awards, collected editions. Okay, so yeah, so... Book one collects the first 18 issues. They just put volume six, which will collect the, like, through issue 35, plus some side stories, is coming out in September. So as of September, there will be enough that you could put out a second hardcover. If they will, we'll see. It's been two years um, since that last hardcover, but... As of September, there will be enough material to make a second hardcover of like a similar yeah. size. So hopefully, they no do idea that. if that's the end of the story. Yeah, I have no idea. We're not up to date, obviously. So yeah, um, it it rules. Uh, it's fucking incredible. Very dark, very gory. Um, you know, <laughs> I um I I read the first volume of Berserk over the mm-hmm. trip. And I tweeted, oh, blood and gore, don't mind if I do. Um, <laughs> I feel like this is very much like... M- Monstrous is also very blood and gore? Ooh. <laughs> you got uh, blood in my gore. <laughs> but yeah. Um, Monstrous is so good. Monstrous? I, I should like content warning. Like Monstrous is one of my absolute favorite comic books that's ever come out. Ever. I love mm-hmm. it so much. Um, the... The first page of the first issue of Monstrous is, like, a character, like, who has been enslaved being, like, nakedly displayed in front of, like, a, a group of people who are, like, buying her at yeah. auction. Yeah, Um, And there's, like, sexual assault in the very first issue uh, on top of aforementioned blood and gore. So, like... Yeah, there's, like, torture, genocide, um... It's All dark. sorts of stuff. It's very dark. It's very dark. I love it so much. But yeah, it's, it's really, not for everyone. It's also very cool. It's not. It's that, not for everyone. It's just that cool demon thing. It's also got lots of good like fantasy world building. Yeah, like it's got like the sort of. Like, it's got furries too. It's got the stuff that we like. The it's sort of great, like great world building and also furries. <laughs> the furries are part of the great world building. <laughs> what if we built a world around the furries? What if we built a wall around the furries and, like, the furries were inside it's, the wall? Are you looking at this? Um, Monstrous has been nominated for Best Graphic Novel every year that it's been published so far. For, 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 at the Hugos. For Hugos? At the yeah. Hugos. Yeah. In addition to um, Sana Takeda getting a nomination for Best Artist in 2018, which... Honestly, madness that she's not getting also, nominated. by the way, has won three of those five, was n- only listed as nominated for Volume 4 and pending it for Volume 5. Yeah. But has won a Hugo for Best Graphic Story three years also, in, in a row. Also, 
also nominated at the Eisners three years running. And I, I think that's remarkable because the Eisners are a reward, an award show, I think. Eisners are sort of like the big comics show, though I think maybe a Hugo is more prestigious. Um, but the Eisners, I think, have pretty intense, like, bias toward new things. I think the Eisners reward, like, new stuff a lot more than ongoing stuff. Partially because, like, Usagi Ujimbo has been running for, like, 30 years nonstop. And you don't want to just, like, give give books like Usagi Ujimbo and Hellboy, like, an award every year because that's mm. fucking boring. So I think I think getting nomination, nominations at the Eisner's three years in a row and getting so many... Nominated um, for five things between 26 and 2017 and then winning five things in 2018. Yeah. Uh, just like, both, both, both halves of the creative pair got an award for yeah. different facets of the of the art it's like yeah yeah sonic takeda is really just like it i i cannot overstate like if you if you are not interested in reading this because of the sort of like the content warnings we gave up there you should at least google like monstrous covers maybe um that's monstrous like like stress not like struss monster s yes like actress Just yeah, just great art. Look at the look at the image website. Just double check for me if they have a. Uh, just go back to all. Maybe they've got some sort of announcement about a hardcover. I doubt it if it's not on the Wikipedia, but we could check. Also, the website describes it as steampunk meets kaiju, which is not really what I would. Uh, in the strictest definition, like true, but I think like rude. <laughs> I think that both of those words imply things that this book doesn't do. Yes. Yes. So, like, it, tonally, st- at least. Strictly true that there is a sort of, like, <clears throat> steampunk-y vibe. There's and an strictly in- true that, like, no, this one I there respect- are giant monsters. This one I respect, so it's industrial fantasy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this and Dunwall, or this and Dishonored are industrial fantasy because I like them. Dunwall. Dunwall. Yeah, I don't see anything here about uh Yeah. About a new like mega collection. I don't even see the oh there's the book. There's the book one hardcover. We have a slightly different edition because we have the oh. Bonds Noble exclusive one. But I think they did put out a hardcover that you could get at that's other stores. That's also a cool cover. That's a cool it's cover. Got armor on. That's not the I- iconic first cover of the first issue, but that's a good first cover. Yeah, this one right here. That's the good shit. Standing in front of fucking who knows what statue decal thing. Yeah. Sarcophagus? I don't remember. Is that the sarcophagus with the weird mask fragment? I think so. Anyway. Anyway. So we went to Chewies, we went to Madness. Um, And in between some of these and after Chewies, we also had two servings of chocolate cake for my birthday. Yeah. For your birthday. Yeah. Um, we were really... No no offense to Devin and Becky, uh, your grandma did choose the better cake, mm-hmm. but the cream cheese icing on the cake that Devin and Becky got us uh, was pretty good. Yeah. Really Love good. a cream cheese icing. Uh, but Omi just 
uh, goes to the fancy place. Yeah, Omi just buy. Omi just goes to the very fancy grocery store and buys yeah. the very fancy uh, cake. Uh, they came with like fruit and shit on it. Yeah. So, um, we left those cake. We left her like two quarters yeah. of cakes. We were like, do we really want to take this in the car for twelve hours? It's gonna spoil. It's so, gonna spoil. It's gonna, yeah, it's not. It, that's not. Good. Uh, we ate a lot of that other cake. That the second one. Yeah. Um, and then yesterday we had La Hacienda. What did we have for breakfast? We had to- donuts. We had donuts. Shipley's donuts. Yes. My favorite. And sausage rolls. You, good. you had a good point about like donut places in Dallas. Yeah. As opposed to donut places in. Uh, all the donut places around here in St. Louis are like. So all the, the donut places in, in Dallas that I grew up around are just like normal, cheap donut shops. You go you, in, you get a donut for 89 cents. Something like that, yeah. Um, you get a sausage roll. Maybe this place has sausage rolls um, with or without cheese. Maybe they only do cheese. A lot of them only do cheese. Only mm-hmm. do with cheese because it's in the, the meat. It's like injected in the center of the meat. Um, <clears throat> but it's a donut that is Bread, and then there's chocolate on top, like mm-hmm. icing. Or like a light glaze of sugar. Yeah. Not glazed all over. Mm-hmm. That's the important distinction. Because a lot of the places in St. Louis go really heavy on the glazing in the same way that like, if you went to a Krispy Kreme, yes. there's a lot of glazing on there. And on top of that, all of the donut stops around here are like boutique donut shops. Where you go in... And they've got a couple glazed donuts. They might not have a donut that just has some chocolate icing on top. They might not have that. What they are going to have is like they're gonna 12 ha- different flavors of donuts. They're going to have a donut that looks like the fucking 90s paper cup design. Yeah. Right? Like, they're they, these are not like small, like, bit, like... What is what I'm what am I thinking? I like the donuts. The, the the donut stores that I grew up around were always run by sort of older people, and they were um, less uh, less impressive in terms of their like furniture and their counters. And the places, like, on the outside, they didn't look like much. Whereas these places are all very decorated, very, like, vibrant colors. And they, they put a lot of effort into advertising, as opposed to just having the sign that says donuts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a different we, vibe. And, the, like, the, the, multi- one, the one of these near our apartment in St. Louis that we like that closed down recently is called Boogie's. And, like... Boogies had a, like, very specific logo, and it had, like, there was, like, a, 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 not a statue, there was, like, a mannequin outside that was advertising it, and you went inside, and there were posters of, like, Goku eating donuts that said Boogies. full-sized Photoshop movie poster-style images of Homer Simpson and Goku from Dragon Ball eating donuts with the Boogies logo. Yeah. And like... And that's a vibe. I I really liked Boogies. 
Um, but I liked Boogie's because it was the one near us. Van Gogh Donuts is one that people in St. Louis really like. I would have to drive past several, like, grocery stores and gas stations that just have, like, like donuts and donut holes to get to Van Gogh. And so I'm never going to go there. Because, like, I don't care about a boutique, like, donut store enough to drive past... Um... Normal donuts. Normal donuts. And, yeah, like, the donuts at Schnooks are nothing to write home about. They're perfectly okay, serviceable donuts. Same thing with, like, I get the donut holes at Quick Trip at most times when I'm there. I hate those. Every time I think I'm going to like them, they're just, like, three times thicker than you think they are. They are pretty thick. They're pretty thick. Um, But, like, yeah, I like those enough, and they're cheap and i don't have to like yeah think about it whereas like, also also schnooks has apple danishes which a lot of these other places don't and i like apple danishes a lot but like shipley specifically is like a brand that is there's it's a local chain i've eaten there since i was a child they have the best sausage rolls which by the way donut stores here no sausage rolls yeah that's another big thing because I remember when I went to visit you in Dallas in 2019, um, like... 2018. Okay, okay. Every time... <laughs> I've mentioned this trip a few times this week, and you've corrected me every time. I want to be clear. I was with you as 2018 ended and 2019 began. So in my head, that's the 2019 trip. <laughs> because it, the trip ended in 2019, even though it began in 2018. <clears throat> Anyway, you every every day before I would drop you off at work, you would uh, go to like a, a donut store around the corner, basically that had sausage rolls, and I was like, "What are these? These are good." You just get like bread and meat at six a.m. This yeah. is all you want. This yeah. is breakfast, and you can hold it in your hand. Mm-hmm. This is amazing. And it's not, like, super greasy? It's not super greasy. It's not that kind of sausage? And if it was super greasy, you have bread to, to, yeah, to absorb exactly. that. <clears throat> so that, also calling them kolaches is a... I don't know that people do that outside of Texas. Because kolache traditionally refers to, like, a pastry? Yeah. Like a fruit? But... <clears throat> regardless, we got those. I love them. They're also, great. they're small. Yeah. yeah. A lot of the, like, kind of the boutique donuts that you get in, in St. Louis. And I think this is also true in Kansas City now that I think about, like, donuts around where I grew up. You get, like, a pretty sizable donut that has, like, a very dense cake. Mm. Um, these mm. Shipley's very light, very fluffy. Very, very fluffy. Very light. Pretty small. Pretty yeah. small. Reasonably sized so that I could have two donuts and feel like, yeah, I, I don't have any... Whereas, like, if I ate two donuts at Boogie's, I'd be like, man, I ate a lot this morning. Yeah, it's totally different. It's totally different. I just love the donuts back home. Then we went to a Mexican restaurant, another one, La Hacienda Ranch in Dallas. It was fine. I really like the salsa there. Not as much as I like yeah. the Chewy's. Yeah. I ate, I, the ate too much, I ate too much salsa, and by the time our, our fajitas got there, I kind of want yeah, food. Yeah, fajitas were not... Not my favorite fajitas. I uh, I like the didn't go to El Phoenix again. I liked the uh, fajitas. I liked El Phoenix a lot. Yeah, 
Um, I liked the fajitas at that place <laughs> we used to go to in St. Louis before COVID better, which is, I oh, think, yeah. kind of a damning thing to say because it's not like that place, it's not like Chevy's is my favorite fajitas ever. It's just that I think they're like totally serviceable fajitas. Yeah. The El like, Phoenix, I, though. Yeah. El Phoenix had very good fajitas. Which, by the way, is a Dallas original. We went, yeah. I think we went to, no, yes. we didn't go. We went to the one in Waxahachie. Oh. Oh, yeah. The yeah. one in downtown Dallas is, like, the first one. Yeah. The first one. We went to the one in Waxahachie. Yeah. It, it's actually, like, across the street from the museum, uh, the science museum, the yeah. Dallas Science Museum, whatever it's called. Anyway, El Phoenix, way better. Way fucking better. This place mm. was totally fine. The vibe was off because, like, the decorations are so over the top. Um, <clears throat> and then... Uh, Did you know at El Phoenix that we were going to get married someday? On that, like, first meal together? Were you like, mm. I'm going to marry this bitch? No, I don't think so. I thought that. That's not true. I didn't think that. I didn't think that for even Then we second. went home and Omi made us chancel. Yeah. It was really good. Also, she grew... She, like, had some homegrown tomatoes. I don't know if they were... They, she grew them or if someone, like, nearby had grown them, mm. but... Some, like, homegrown tomatoes that were very good. She might have grown them. I wasn't paying attention. Uh, and then on our way out this morning, we got the tacos again. Yeah. I got two of the, like, chorizo breakfast tacos and two al pastor. I wish I just got four al pastor. I wish I got three al pastor, actually. <laughs> That's what I wish. Everything else we ate was road food. Yeah. Not really that notable, except uh, Waffle House. Oh, yeah, we got Waffle House. So this was, like, a weird trip because it felt like... We did nothing but eat. Well, no. <laughs> This was a weird trip because I felt like you and I have been sort of like easing back into life as usual. We very much like wear our masks everywhere we go. Um, we do, don't make a habit of like going out. I don't know that we had gone anywhere to sit at a restaurant before this trip together. I had... I have sat at a restaurant. I definitely sat at a restaurant in Chicago, I think. We sat at the patio. No, I didn't. Anyway. We sat at the patio at that coffee place down the street with your parents. Yeah. We've we've done some, like, dining outside, which is, like, a different thing that I feel totally safe with, you know? Yeah. But we've been very, like, cautious and, like, sort of, like, since we got vaccinated, easing back into, like, life before COVID. And then... By nature of this trip and, like, visiting people, it was just, like, no one's wearing masks. No one, like, all the restaurants are open, full capacity. Like, also, we're going to go stand around bookstores for, like, three hours, you know, which is not a thing that we've done in a very long time. It was, like, our primary, like, date before. Mm -hmm. It's just something we did all the time, and we just haven't done it forever. We did, like, three times in two days. It's it's weird. It was weird sort of like really jumping back into like pre-COVID life. And I think I want to jump back out a little bit. Yeah. You know, I I don't, I think this I trip was a weird intent. anomaly and I don't, I feel very still nervous about a lot of COVID stuff in a way that like the people around us did not. Mm. Um, I think I feel okay going to a bookstore. I do too. People, at least up here, there's more screens and, like... Yeah, I less also... Less people around. And... 
<clears throat> I also <clears throat> feel okay going to a bookstore and then sitting in the cafe with my mask on and maybe not getting a snack and a drink like I used to. Yeah. And, like, that is something I feel fine with, you know? Masks are not going away anytime soon for me. Yeah. I. So they just changed the policy at work so that we don't have to wear masks anymore mm-hmm. as of this week. Uh, I've been off all week, obviously, so I don't know, but I don't know how many of my coworkers are still wearing masks. I'm still going to be wearing a mask at work every day. Yeah, me too. Like, um, we are customer-facing jobs, so. Yeah, I like, and we've both been vaccinated for some time. Like, supposedly we should be fine, but also I just feel like we just don't know it's very not a much. Sure thing. It's not a sure thing. We don't know that much, I feel like. and yeah. This was a weird thing of, like... Acting like just going back out into the world, and it's like, I guess people are just gonna do this, and I guess we did it. But, like, I mean, also, like, I've gotten two tattoos during the pandemic, which, like, involves, and both of us were wearing masks, but, like, me and my artist were just kind of like up in each other's, like, personal space for hours at a time. Yeah. And both of us were masked up, and, like, the tattoo parlor I go to is very strict about, like, you are not going to be in here unless you are getting something done. Yeah. You know? So and it's very low capacity, but I still just am like, you know, I, I've, I've made choices that I'm like, okay, like, this is maybe not the, like... We definitely, like, put our foot out to see where, our, where we're stepping yeah. and, like, feeling things out. I don't, like, I got a haircut this week for the first time in two years. Yeah. Like. Because, yeah, we were talking about it because, like, I remember kind of March of last year, you were like, I think I need a haircut. I think it's, like, starting to get just a little too long for me. And then everything started and we're like, well, we don't feel safe getting a haircut, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you know, we don't need to hash out all our feelings about, oh, we went. Yeah. To a restaurant, and we feel guilty. I more just wanted to talk about... Yeah, this is not me, like, saying, oh, I feel so guilty. It's more just, like, I don't know, just doing, like, a temperature check, I guess. Yeah. We tried it. We tried the, like, reintegrating into quote-unquote normal. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, there's some places where we can lighten up a little, and some places where we really don't need to lighten up at all. Yeah, and those places are. I think it's okay to exist outside of our apartment a little bit sometimes. The thing that made me feel really uncomfortable this weekend is that, like, I got the seven p.m. train out of Chicago. I was in a oh, room. Yeah. I was in a room while I was waiting to board with three, four hundred people, almost none of them wearing masks, and I was in like full on meltdown mode. I was like, yeah, I was, I was, I was in a bad way. Yeah, and I was like, I I've made a mistake. <clears throat> like, like I should have, because on the way to Chicago, I'd gotten the four thirty in the morning train, and people were pretty. There was less people, and they were good about wearing masks. Um, and I feel like maybe I should not have like traveled by train, or I should have picked a different, less pop, like crowded time. 
or something like that. That is like a. I feel like I made a mistake. I mean, that's the whole thing. Like you can't control how other people are going to act yeah. around you. Yeah, and so like. At some level, especially with the way we work in public. It's this like, is the thing is like, I feel like we have such a different perspective on it than some, some of our friends do just because like, regardless of how I feel about it, I have had to work a job where I'm like face to face with like a hundred, hundreds of people every day. Yeah. Know? And I have like shields and stuff between me and the customer, but that's only certain angles. It's mm-hmm. only when I'm at my register. Yeah. If I'm not working in register, I just have to be around people and it's like, well... This is just the type of life I live. Yeah, and we, we've we been living this weird life where we, like, are bouncing back and forth between, like, I go to work and I'm super exposed and I'm doing everything I can to, like, minimize contact with people. And then we come home and, like, for a year we have not gone out to eat or gone to bookstores. You know? Like. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the, the, I, I really don't know where it all... Yeah, I didn't really. At some point, we won't be wearing masks. Like one way or another, like thirty years from now, yeah. However long it takes, like it, something will change. Like they're never going to get people to wear masks forever. Yeah, it's just weird. It was, um, yeah. I didn't really want this to be like let's let's talk about COVID and produce some answers that are satisfactory. I just kind of wanted to like talk to you about like this weird thing that happened this week it was weird it was was weird weird. also every time we stopped for gas not a single mask no no one but we're we're driving through like rural texas arkansas and missouri so like i didn't expect that but it was definitely weird being like the only people in the shell station with masks on or the loves or the loves all those people running around the loves is like my preferred gas station i think is we you? don't. It's a truck stop, so you don't see them in in town. We don't have like a loves in St. Louis, yeah. but um, when I'm on the road, I always want to stop at loves. Speaking of which, if anybody uh, is wondering, um, speaking of, of uh, truck stops, we did not stop at Bucky's. No, we looked at it. We looked at the Bucky's, but maybe next time. Maybe next time uh, on our way in. I feel like. If we're going to go... Next time we go to Dallas... Yeah. We will plan to go to Bucky's on our way in. Because the thing about Bucky's is that, like... It looked like an experience and a half. Hmm. And, like... If we knew... Okay, we're going to get to the outskirts of Dallas at 7-ish. We'll go spend 30 minutes in Bucky's And just look at it. See what yeah. it is. Um, it's big. It big. It's a big place. It's a big fucking place. Yeah. I didn't want to go in there and prepare it. And I really didn't want to go in there today before we left because I was so worried about making good time on this trip. And I, yeah. I feel like we made good time on the trip back. Um, oh yeah, this all started because we went to Waffle House, which I haven't done in a year. I missed Waffle House, dude. Shouts out to our... Raider at Waffle House. Yeah, she seemed to be going through it. We left her a twenty dollar tip because she seemed to be going through it. Yeah. Um. I was about to say her name, and I was like, I'm not going to say I don't her name. Remember her name. Uh, that was the trip. That was the trip. Any other? You read anything besides the coward? I read a bunch of manga. Like I say, I read Chainsaw Man. I read. I read this book called uh, The Name of the Wind. 
Yeah, we read Name of the Wind. Anything? Any thoughts about Name of the Wind? Nah, it seems pretty boilerplate. Yeah. I might put a little, little just like warning, like, hey, if you don't want to hear I'm people... I'm putting this up tonight, so if you... If you, if you could, if you could just say like, hey, we're going to, at some point we're going to start talking about like COVID stuff and then like, that's probably just going to go through to the end of the podcast. Like if you don't want to hear about COVID stuff, you can just skip to the end. Mm-hmm. Just let people know. I, people sometimes don't want to hear about it. Uh, plug? You can find me on Twitter, AdamTumnel underscore coffee. You can listen to all my other podcasts, exportodds.io. Um, I was thinking about my plugs. Uh, I just want to go through quickly, like, the podcast that I do. I do this one, which you just listened to. I do Ornate Stairwells, which is a movie podcast with Nia. We just did an episode that we recorded in Chicago um, about going to a movie theater, um, which was great. Um, we, I do Hot Singles, which is going to talk to Regs about recording sometime this week. It's a music podcast. We review albums. I do Gotham City Limits, where Em and I watch Batman stuff. Next, we're going to watch Batman 1989, the Tim Burton film. Um, and I do Ars Arcanum, where we talk about Brandon Sanderson's Cosmere books. Um, I don't know. I just feel like sometimes lately I talk to people and they don't know about the podcasts I do. And I just wanted to run through all of them real quick. So there you go. You can find me on Twitter at NeitherNora. Find stuff I do at NoraBlake.online. I'm on a lot of podcasts. SecondBestGame.club. The SecondBestGame.club will take you to Journal Updated, my monthly game club podcast about games with choices. You can find me on my Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast, Attention Duelists, my Mega Man podcast, Rush Jet Radio. Um, sometimes I do a Star Wars podcast about Star Wars books. That'll be back soon. Yeah, it's semi-monthly. So, uh, Godzilla's not dead. If Godzilla's uh, not dead, yes, Godzilla's not dead. Five dollars a month on the Patreon, um, uh, which is at exportodd.io, as we talked about. Uh, if you like export audio, Godzilla's Not Dead is just export audio. But, but not, about Godzilla. But not as sleepy as we are right now. Not as sleepy as we are right now. Good night, everybody. I'm going to bed. Night. Say bye. Thanks for stopping. Bye. Bye. Keep it Rubio. Do, do, do. When the night has come and the land is dark and the moon is the only light we'll see, no, I won't be afraid. No, I won't be afraid. Just so long as you stand, stand by me. And Bacora, Bacora, stand by me. Oh, stand by me. Oh, stand. Stand by me. Stand by me. If the sky 
that we look upon should tumble and fall, and the mountains should crumble to the sea. I won't cry. I won't cry. No, I won't shed a tear. Just as long as you stand, stand by me. And Bacora, Bacora, stand by me. Oh, stand by me. Whoa, stand. Stand by me. Stand by me. You're way too beautiful, girls. That's why if you'll never work, you'll have me suicidal. Suicidal when you say it. Matic, that's the wrong song. Uh, oh, right, okay. Stand by me. Whoa, stand by me. Oh, oh, stand. Stand by me. Stand by me. I command you to stand by me. Oh, oh, stand by me. Oh, oh, stand. Stand by me. Stand by me. Come on, just stand by me. Oh, come on.